Welcome everyone. We are about to begin Be'ezus Hashem. Feedback and insight Sheer number six. Email address shalombayas777 at gmail.com. As we know, um, the process of grief um, and mourning plays a role a lot in Shalom Bayis because very often in life, um, husband or wife, or sometimes the both of them, suffer a painful loss. And um, we will talk in later Shiurim how to handle that and um, the tests that come along with that. And uh, it's a very difficult subject, but it has to be discussed. Um, today we're going to pick and talk about one particular um, aspect of it is when the wife suffers a miscarriage and um, and Ashkafa behind it and how to deal with it. And um, truth be told, in all generations of the past, even just a hundred years ago, unfortunately, the occurrences of miscarriages or giving birth to stillborns or children dying in their youth and their young age was extremely common. I don't think it made it any less painful. It's just that they were sort of hardened to it by the fact that it happened, unfortunately, more often um, than it does today. And today, Baruch Hashem, it happens much less frequently but the uh, the other side of that is is that when it does happen, it um, it's extremely painful. It's always extremely painful. But but now sometimes people tend to feel very isolated and uh, alone when these things happen. And um, so I just want to right away jump into it. There is a well known letter that Rabbi Moshe Wolfson should be healthy and well. Um, Mashkiach and Amunas Yisrael wrote a letter once to a woman who suffered a miscarriage, and um, it's a pretty well-known letter, and you could get it online. Um, there's other chizik when this happens online that you could get. If you can't find that letter online, I'll be happy to email it to you. But um, I'm going to read through this letter of Rolson wrote because it's so um, yesidistic, it's so foundational. And it could really shift the paradigm and the perspective when you read it and internalize it. And I think it will help many people. And from the way the letter is written, from the feedback, it seems to be that it did help a lot. So let me go straight to it, and then I'll make comments afterwards um, on the subject a little more. Um, so he goes as follows. He says, Get this is translated from the original Yiddish by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman, and uh, with permission of the copyright holders of Art Scroll. So it must have been printed at one point in an Art Scroll book. So anyway, it says, I would like to express a number of thoughts which I hope will, to a certain degree, ease your situation. It is possible that my words will offer you nothing new, but my feelings of sympathy impel me to try. In heaven, there is a Hechel Hanashamis, a sanctuary of souls, the source from which all the souls come. The final redemption will not come until all souls have left the sanctuary and descended to this world. Each soul has its unique mission to fulfill in this world and is allotted the lifespan necessary to fulfill that mission. 
Some souls belong to a very exalted class. They are of such sublime nature, so holy, sparkling and brilliant, that they simply cannot bear to exist in this world for even a short time. However, they too must leave the sanctuary of souls so that it will be emptied, and for other reasons known only to Hashem. And so, Hashem chooses a particular couple that will draw such a soul down to the world. It departs its place near the throne of glory and is immediately placed in an environment in which it has a home, an environment which is divine in nature. A woman who is with child carries within herself not only a child, but the entire Ganeden as well. A flame from the hidden light of creation shines above the child's head, and by that light the child sees from one end of the world to the other. A heavenly angel learns the entire Torah with that child. All this occurs with every Jewish child. However, these special souls, of which we have spoken, cannot bear to separate themselves from their sublime existence by living in this earthly world. And so they are spared this, this discomfort and are returned to their Father in heaven, having fulfilled their mission by leaving the sanctuary of souls and residing within their mother, thus bringing the world one step closer to the final redemption. Now, what of the mother, who has endured and hoped and in the end was terribly disappointed? She is a flesh and blood, and her feelings are understandable. However, in loftier moments, in moments when her intellect can overcome her emotions, the mother can free herself of her earthly thoughts and share in the elation enjoyed by her soul. Then she will become infused with, by a feeling of true joy, a joy of a wealthy person who takes reckoning of all his business endeavors and sees that his profits far outweigh his losses. She is merited to have had, as her guest, a pure, holy soul, accompanied by a divine light, a heavenly angel, and a heavenly Torah. The master of the universe has created a base medrash, a study hall for this soul within her. And when the soul left her, some of that holiness that entered her remains and will not leave her for the rest of her life. She has meditated to bring Mashiach's arrival closer by offering a sacrifice for this purpose. She is not left with a mother's usual compensation. All that she has endured has been for the sake of heaven and his people and not for her personal joy and satisfaction. She has served not as a worker who awaits immediate payment, but as a loyal soldier who is ready to suffer wounds in battle if necessary, solely for the glory of the king. One should realize that the term miscarriage, now I'm going to stop here for a second. I want you to just pay very close attention to this because this paragraph is very, very important. One should realize that the term miscarriage is not found in the Believing Jews Dictionary. The term implies that one eff- one's efforts have ended in failure and that all has been in vain. This is incorrect, for when a Jewish woman becomes pregnant, it is never in vain. Moreover, a child who merits Trias Amesim, resurrection of the dead, even if its time with his mother was short-lived. He quotes here, Maramakim, Igris Moshe, Yeridea, Chilik, Gimel, Tshuva, Kuf, Lamed, Ches. May the Master of the Universe grant you nachas and good health. May you merit to bring into this world and raise healthy children and grandchildren who will toil 
in Torah studies and mitzvahs, may you and your husband derive much joy and satisfaction from your family and together escort your children to the chuppah with joy and feelings of gratitude to the one above. May you, along with all the Jewish people, merit to greet Mashiach, whose arrival you have brought closer. And that is the letter. It's a very moving letter and a very true letter. Now, we have to be careful that when Khalila should never happen to anyone, someone experiences such a loss right away, and you immediately tell them things like this written in the letter, that's probably not the best approach. And the first step in any type of grieving process is to, to feel that empathy and be with that person. And the person themselves sometimes may not be ready to hear a deeper perspective of it because they are in such pain and they have to let time go by and healing go by. But ultimately, the way Hashem works the world is you go through a grieving process. And then there are times where things like that are written in this letter does indeed bring comfort and a shift of perspective. The pain will never may, not, may never fully go away, but it is a um, way to not only comfort yourself, but realize the privilege you know, as we don't ask for this to begin with, but once it did happen, it is a schus that's immeasurable, and it's a schus that is eternal, and and nitzchias, forever and ever. And um, another thing I want to say, generally in grief, and also because of this, yeah, we have to be very careful. Um, even though we know there is a hanhaga of Hashem called mida kenegan mida, something happens, nothing is you know, by, by accident, Cholila, everything is Ashkacha Pratis, and we're meant to learn from what happens. But be very careful. It's very, very important, especially in these days, because these days, the reasons behind it, I don't know. I mean, it's a Hester Panem, obviously. But often the Mida, Kinegan Mida, in this generation, and in, frankly, many generations prior to that, are often concealed. We're not tzaddikim. We don't have Ruach HaKodesh. And to say to somebody else that something uh, painful happened because you have to be misakin this or you did this wrong or that wrong is not only cruel, but it's also probably absolutely wrong and incorrect because we cannot do that. Now, you know, if someone is in a lofty, I'll give you an example. Um, there is a well-known tzaddik. He was older. And uh, he fell, and he just was in, on the ground, and he stayed there for a while. They tried to pick him up, and he just didn't, wouldn't want to get up. And then finally they picked him up. And uh, he said, I didn't want you to pick me up. I, I, I was able to get up right away. But when I fell down, I was thinking to myself that, that everything is hashkacha practice. That must have happened for a reason. And um, I was trying to figure what I did wrong that caused me to fall down. We cannot do those things. We're not, we have no right to do those things. If something painful happens to us, certainly to other people, even to us we have to be careful, but to other people, chalila, 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 to ever think or say that something happened because of that, because of mida kenegan mida, um, if you, you, know, you, you don't, you know, without knowing anything and just making those types of judgments, you have to be extremely careful. And even towards yourself, you have to be careful. Yes, it's true. Everything is Ashkacha Pratis, and you need to learn from everything. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the way that uh, you know you need to learn from it. You have to just in general try to become better. I remember uh, many years ago I broke uh, my ankle, needed surgery, and same thing. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? And by me, you know, because I'm a regular guy, I'm not a tzaddik. A tzaddik has to think 10 minutes, oh, what in the world did I do wrong that I hurt my foot? By me, it was the opposite. I had a whole laundry list. <laughs> like I had like, you know, I could think of 20 different things that I did wrong, uh, you know, but which one was it? Which one was it? What do I specifically have to fix? I don't have Ruach HaKadosh. I don't know. All I know is in general, um, I, ha- I just need to improve on all the areas that I need to improve on. And then maybe that's the lesson, or maybe the lesson simply is you just have to go through things sometimes. It's not necessarily an einish, and even if it is, it's it's in the form of love, not in the form of 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 of, of anger. Even though it's it's very painful. So, for others, so if you experience halila, um, this painful aspect of miscarriage, it's you cannot ask yourself and think, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, I did the other thing wrong. We all need to be massacring ourselves and we all need to get better. But we're not on the Madrega and the Mida Keneged Mida, the way Hashem works in this world now, is not the type that it, that it, that it aligns that because you did this, you got that, you did, and you did this, you did that. It sometimes doesn't even exist. And very often... You never know, believe it or not, even though we seem to have many reasons why we should get punished for this and that, maybe it's not a punishment at all. Maybe it's a training ground. Maybe it's an obstacle course that you need to go through as part of your training. And um, to just give a little perspective on that, there is a book written by this Jew called Viktor Frankl who... um, talked about this thing called logotherapy. I don't want to get too deep into it, but basically he explains how the most, one of the most important um, things in life is to have meaning in life and to understand what the meaning is about. And by having such meaning, you can, tr- can transform a painful experience into a positive experience. So, for example, uh, he once met a patient, it was very unusual, that... Um, that had around the neck um, teeth, like a necklace made out of teeth. And the woman told the, the, uh, Dr. Frankel that these are the teeth of different children that she had lost. She lost all the children. And um, so Dr. Frankel asked her curiously, why, why are you wearing that to constantly remind you of, of, that, of that pain? And um, she answered back, I am in charge of, and I opened up, and I run a home for orphans. Meaning this compelled her to do that. Now, we don't ask for these things again. But this sometimes compels people to do that. And then I do want to mention something else here. Um, so, again, on the miscarriage, you have to believe what Robert Wilson said is MS Gummer. If it already had happened, early stages is probably less traumatic than later stages or even a, still, a stillborn. It's terribly painful. But you have a Kedusha in you that's, that's still there that, that no one else has that schus that you have. And you need to remember that. And 
very often. This is also interesting and important, and it doesn't explain anything. And again, there's no we we could go into a different set of shiurim as to you know why bad things happen to good people type of sub- subject. Um, but the Shalom Bayis series, which we're going to talk about trauma and and things like that and mourning when it comes up in that perspective. But in the deep philosophical questions, the truth is, is we don't know. We do not know. It's an unknown. We don't understand Hashem's ways. We really, truly don't. But one thing is, is the empathy has to be there. So on an extreme level, also you could influence people only when you went through something yourself. So for example, the Kloisenberger Rebbe, Zechat Tzadik Levrocha, after the war, immediately after the war, brought a lot of people back, Holocaust survivors that wanted to throw everything away, and you can't blame them. They went through Gehenim and lost their whole families and everything. And he um, convinced them and to keep Shabbos and to put on tefillin and to eat kash kosher. And they were, you know, some of them were actually fighting with him. And he was, like, arguing back with them. And, and you know, so, and he was using a combination of compassion and also, you know, putting them in their place. But you have to realize the only reason why the Kloisengerberg or Rebbe was effective in able to convince them that is because he went through the same thing. So, for example, if they said, what do you expect me to eat kosher or to keep Shabbos? Look what Hashem did to me and he, and, he, and my whole family was, was wiped out in, with, in cruelty. So people like us that were never there, what right have we to say anything? But the Kleisenberg Rebbe, he has, you know, in the bank, you know, he, he went through the same things. He lost his, his whole family so they could relate to him. And if he keeps Shabbos still, and he keeps kashrus, and he then they they ha- he has a certain credibility that others don't have. And very often this happens also in many cases where chalilich. Also, all these things I'm saying are very painful things, and may they never happen to anybody, become labo ever. But when someone chalilah loses a child young, and they go through the mourning stages in the process. And then they hear of someone else, Khalila, that happened the same thing, whether they know them well or don't, don't know them well. And they go to be Menachem Oval, that other person who just lost their that child, that young child. They have that capacity to create that comfort and to be Menachem, that person, more than anyone else who did not suffer that. Because no matter how how, and it shouldn't happen to anybody, but if no one, if you didn't go through that thing, you don't really identify it as much as someone who actually went through that thing. And I've known, I've heard from people that Nebuch lost a child young for whatever reason, uh, prematurely, or even an older child, but uh, in, in a sudden way, and all these tragic things. And when they hear it happens in the community, they go specifically and be Menachem all those people because they know that because they went through it, they're able to comfort that person because they went through it. And the similar is Khalila when a couple and the wife suffers a miscarriage and very and, and if it's with complications, it makes it even more painful. And no one asks for this, and we don't know why, and Hashem should help it should never happen again. But once it happened, and then you hear it happen to a neighbor or a friend or even someone you don't know well, and you're able to speak to them, and give them advice, and explain to them that as painful as it is, you were able to move on, go beyond it, and you will able to as well. Hashem, you'll have children that are healthy, God willing, and will be a comfort to you. 
and whatever you can do to help somebody. And ironically, what's interesting, what happens is, is when you comfort others on the pain that you experienced, you will end up feeling comforted as well. The comforter feels comforted by the very fact that they share what they're saying and what they're experienced. Now, not everyone reacts that way. I understand. There are people that they go through certain trauma and they keep, and then they close up and they keep it to themselves. Now, there are times, and again, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist or anything like that. And I would think that for many individuals, it's best to bring it out. And in some individuals, it may be best not to waken it and not to let them express it. It'll make matters worse. I think in general, and I'm generally speaking, it's a good thing if it's stored up inside of a person, an average normal person with normal emotions, they need to at some point or another get it out of their system. And very often when um, when you share that with somebody else, as difficult as it is, it, it is comforting. It does comfort you. So may Hashem help just giving a bracha to everybody should know, not know of these things. I think this letter is a very special letter. I think it gives a big perspective. And again, um, don't think that it's, you know, all the way up there in the sky and it can't relate to you. He talks about Neshamas and he talks about how the Torah is taught in, 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 in the womb and how that light and that Kedusha still remains in the, in, in the mother even as she's still living and having more children. This Kedusha never leaves and again, you know, maybe it's too early to hear these things. It won't resonate. But when the person is ready to hear it, it will not only resonate, it, it is transformative and healing. And again, I'm saying you have to be careful because, you know, how you say and what you say. And sometimes, and I'm going to end off over here with this, sometimes it's best to simply be there for them and show empathy. I remember, um, I think it was Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Jacobson, I was listening to one of his shurim, and um, he talked about this whole concept of grief, and he said he met a teenager um, that had just lost his mother, and they had a kumzitz together, and the, the teenager turned to Rabbi Jacobson and asked him, and his mother had died very young, died suddenly on him, and his, the teenager turned to Rabbi Jacobson and asked him, why did my mother die? Why did that happen to me? Why did that happen? Why did I lose her? And um, you know what his answer was? His answer was, I don't know. I don't know. And he empathized with him, maybe even cried with him. And the, the, the teenager of Yaakov Yitzhak, Yitzhak Jacobson relates, the teenager told him afterwards, he said, your response was the most comforting. Because the truth is, is when they want to hear why, why, it's not the why per se, it's really they're just in agony, they need that empathy, they need you to be with them, because there's really no answer. And no answer could really satisfy the person, and because it's not meant to be answered. And the main purpose is empathy, and not to try to give rational reasons as to why something happened. That empathy is the most important. I don't know. I don't know why it happened. And sometimes we just have to leave it with that. Have a wonderful day. And may we only share some chasm.